Ah! A popular outcast production. <laughs> we'll edit that out. Oh, will we? Welcome to Portable Power, episode 19. The date today for you is April 1st. The date today for us is March 20-something. I don't feel like looking at my calendar. I hope you didn't miss us too much. We met, we skipped the uh, mid-month episode for March because a few things came up, mostly on my end. You can blame me. It's okay. Why can we blame you? Oh. <laughs> yeah, so at the last minute, I decided to go to a local comic book convention here in Sacramento because I wanted to try to meet Stanley, William Shatner, and um, Bruce Campbell. Uh, I only ended up meeting Stan Lee, and it was very, very brief. But that set us back on recording. And as well, did, um, you know, I just wasn't ready with my game. I wanted to give my game a lot more time. So, uh, how was meeting Stan? Did he call you a true believer? No. They <laughs> have quite the system set up. Uh, the whole time I'm in line, and I'm at the back of the line because we got there just in the nick of time to meet him. The line's moving really fast, and I'm like, how Like, how are these people actually getting pictures taken? And when I got in there, I realized they're basically grabbing you by the arm, they're pulling you over to Stan, and then they're pulling you away from Stan. <laughs> and like, it's it's a lot like in A Christmas Story when Ralphie meets Santa Claus. <laughs> So I said hi to Stan, and he looked at me, and he said hello, and then I got a picture taken with him, and then I was sucked out of that room. It's all a blur, really. <laughs> um, I came to find out later that he was sick as well that weekend. Ooh. Like, he almost canceled altogether. He was supposed to be, be there all three days of the convention, and he canceled and only came out Sunday when he was feeling a little bit better. So I just kind of lucked out. But I have a picture of me and my son with Stan Lee. And I will have that for the rest of my life. Yeah. That's pretty incredible. Yeah. What did he smell like? Um, you know, I I <laughs> tried to smell him. Probably NyQuil. There's a guy five feet away with a gun on him. Like an armed <laughs> um, security guard. So I'm like, I'm not going to do anything that they don't want me to do. And I didn't. So, do not smell Stan Lee. They actually told us not to touch him. That makes sense, because when you, when you think about it, like, people who, like, are guests at cons get sick all of the time from interacting with people who, like, don't fucking wash their hands after using the bathroom. Yeah. And, and like, Stan is not a young guy anymore. No, he's, I think he's the same age as my grandpa, who's, like, you know, 92, I think. I didn't realize Stan was that old. I thought he was in his 80s. No, I think he's around 90. Yikes. Yeah, so you have to figure, that guy gets one common cold, he's going to die, right? <laughs> uh, that was sort of my catalyst for, like, I'm going to this convention. Yeah. Next year, he might be dead. Anyway, this isn't the Stan Lee podcast. So, Kevin, how are you this evening? I'm doing well, Mark. How are you? Oh, fantastic. Uh, I'm already buzzed off of my beer. Do you have a, a drink this evening? 
I do. I'm drinking a Deconic Triple, which is a beer I've drank on the show before. It's a Belgian-style triple. It has that typical triple flavor that I tend to crave. It has the yeast hanging suspended in it, and it's lovely. Sounds <laughs> absolutely wonderful. What are you playing that doesn't involve uh, research or homework for this podcast? Um, I've been playing a lot of Bravely Default, and that's really about it, because I, I have 90 hours in that game now. Emrys, how are you doing tonight? I am PT. Cool. And you're, uh, are you still on your Oath of Sobriety? Yes, sir. It's crisp and clear water for me tonight. Excellent. And uh, are you playing anything that isn't related to the show right now? Yeah, uh, Diablo 3 has oh, wow. reached its claws into my cranium. Do you have the expansion, or is that not out yet? The expansion comes out tomorrow evening, but they they did like a pre-release patch that basically made it a whole new game. So it was like all the content from the expansion that changed the gameplay... Minus the, like, new features, like a new class and some other goodies that's only in the expansion. But, like, the, the core game, they did a complete overhaul on it, and it's really good and really addictive. I bet, yeah. Actually, I've been playing hardcore mode, where if your character dies, like, you have to start over from the beginning. So I haven't made very much progress, though, because around level 30, I get hilariously overconfident. <laughs> and die. And it's happened like four times in a row now, where I just get to the same point in the game, and I make the same mistake every time, and I, yeah. <laughs> I die. So this time, I'm going to keep the difficulty lower, try not to get overconfident, and hopefully I can make it up to the level cap. What about you, Mark? Are you, are you drinking tonight? I am. Uh, faithful portable power fans saw it on facebook but uh i just happened to on a whim be at the grocery store and see this amazing bottle you know after a long day of me working in the garden which is i what i did today hauling brick and digging up rose bushes with roots the size of my leg i like to kick back and rub one out <laughs> while i drink a sublimely Self-righteous black IPA from Stone Brewing Company in San Diego, America. They make the arrogant bastard ale too, don't they? They do. They have a number of good beers, and most of them have this kick-ass gargoyle on the label. 8.7%, and it's pretty hoppy. Are you playing anything that isn't for the show right now? Uh, Dark Souls 2, man. It is so much fun. Yeah? That's PS3? Yeah, PlayStation 3. If you've played Demon Souls or Dark Souls, you know what to expect, but it's noteworthy for being, like, you know, some of the hardest games around. Yeah, it's a, it's grueling. It is. It's grueling. It's a lot of trial and error. I compare it to, like, Castlevania 2 for the NES uh, in terms of, like, you know, you get these items, you don't know what to do, and, like, a lot of times certain objectives might be obscure and there's just tons of secrets. And it's also kind of like Zelda 2 and in, in that it's difficult and just the trial and error and all this stuff. But it's a 3D, modern-gen, dark, grim, monster-killing game. A lot of fun. I, got like, I have like five friends that were all playing at the same time and sharing our horror stories. And it's, what, it's what makes this series just so good. 
Talking about the times that you get gang-banged by those Dark Souls. Yeah. <laughs> I was watching some friends play the first Dark Souls game, and it did not look appealing to me. Uh, you just gotta be patient. That's all it is. It's 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 hard, but you just have to be patient. That sounds like you're uh, talking about something else. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, it'd be quite the opposite. It's soft, but like just just be patient. Just be patient. <laughs> <laughs> this never happens. <laughs> anyway, speaking of getting gang banged, let's hear about the latest Pokemon game, Kevin. This week, uh, a new game in the in the uh, Pokemon, I guess not really series, but intellectual property was released called Pokemon Battle Trozzi. Is that how that's pronounced? I say Trozzi. 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 Has anyone ever actually given an official pronunciation to that? It's probably somebody in Japan. Yes. But I'm not that person. All right. Well, Pokemon Battle Trozzi. Uh, it's developed by Genius Sonority. Published by Nintendo, and it is $7.99 on the 3DS eShop. Pokemon Battle Trozzi is a match-three kind of puzzle game, sort of in the vein of Bejeweled. You use the stylus to move Pokemon heads around, match up three of a kind, and then they get cleared. Uh, you're battling wild Pokemon using these heads that you're matching up. You try to build combos by matching more in a row to deal more damage. Each Pokemon has an elemental affinity, just like the Pokemon RPGs. For example, a water type you're battling will be weak to electric or grass. Similarly, they're resistant to other types. Fire is ineffective against water, so you do reduce damage if you make a fire combo. The first Pokemon you match in a combo string determines the type of the attack. Matching four of a kind, then following it up with another three will begin a Trozzi chance, which, is ba which basically means you only need to match two of a kind instead of three. This helps you build up a massive combo, and if you clear the board, mo po more Pokemon are dropped on you, and you have the chance to continue the combo after that, so you can get some pretty massive combos. Like, I'm not extremely good at that, but I've gotten up around like 25 combo, or somewhere in that neighborhood. The higher the combo, is it the more chance that it's super effective? No, um, super effective attacks are determined by the first one that you match in the group. Okay. So like, if you, if you match a, a grass type, against a fire type that you're fighting, it doesn't matter how many water types you match after that, until the combo ends, it's going to be ineffective. Oh, wow, okay. Yeah. Pokemon that appear in the Trozzi box, which is where all the heads appear, are randomly determined by that level, but you can choose support Pokemon that you've already caught to bring into the battle with you to give you an elemental edge. However, it's not strictly necessary because the game's not hard at all. You catch Pokemon at the end of every battle with one, like every time you deplete a Pokemon's hit points, you catch it. Oh, cool. Yeah, it, it means that you get a lot of Pokemon pretty quickly, and you can, you can actually catch all 718 current Pokemon. Okay, that was my next question, actually. But, like, what what what's the difference between, let's just say you're using Pikachu as the Pokemon you just catched, and then you're using different Pokemon as the ones that you match three of? Well, there are, like, one, there are ones that are in the level by default. Right. And then the support Pokemon are ones that you choose, and those appear as tiles in the level in addition. Okay. Oh. There's a Safari Zone, in addition to the normal levels, that has, a di has different groups of Pokemon in it every day. 
Um, oh. So that helps to add to like the Pokemon theme where you feel like you know different times of day you catch different things. Uh-huh. So it's another you know it's another interesting thematic point. Being able to choose support Pokemon is fun because it means I can have Charmander with me on every level if I want to. Although that's not strategically sound. And also like the more you play with a Pokemon, they'll eventually become friendly toward you. I don't know if that has any effect or not. But it's just kind of cool that, you know, like, it shows... Like, it's another element of collection. Like, you can collect them and then get them all to be friendly toward you. So that's, you know, a pretty solid group of positives in the game. And also, this is just me, but since you're matching Pokemon heads, I like to pretend that I'm a taxidermist matching stuffed heads of Pokemon. (laughs) It has this, like, delightfully macabre angle to the game. You know, I can pretend that, like, I'm a poacher, and I just, you know, I'm, like, selling Pokemon heads on the black market or something. Yeah. I don't know. It... That's probably that's probably a, a, something that's going to put me on like the government's watch list or something. Maybe. <laughs> Sell, selling Pokemon on the black to white to market. Oh! <laughs> oh, puns! <laughs> it's super effective. <laughs> you were dangerously close to having beer come out my nose. <laughs> <laughs> I call that the measure of success. I've had I've had some fun with it that I've been playing the last couple of days. However, it does have some pretty seriously glaring issues. Um, despite the Pokemon twist, it is still kind of just a match three game. There's mm-hmm. a lot of those out there, and most of them don't cost eight dollars. You just reviewed one what last episode? Yeah, or two episodes ago. Who knows? The thing is, there is multiplayer, but it's only local. And you think for the eight dollar price tag, they could add, you know, internet multiplayer. I mean, if iOS games that are a dollar or even free can do it, like, I'm getting a little pissed off at Nintendo for this. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I was a little underwhelmed by the features of it. Um, it's decent in short bursts, but it's not really a marathon gaming session sort of game. Ooh. It's just too incredibly casual to play much of it at a time. Really? Yeah, another thing is in Trazi, which is the match two mode, you know, like, you match up some and then it goes into the mode where you only have to match two at a time. Yeah. You kind of just sit back and the game matches combos itself. <laughs> oh, that because the way it drops them? Right, yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, to, in order to clear a Trazi box, like, you still have to do some manipulation, but a lot of the combos are just like, oh, you know, we'll just do this for you, so I just sit there and stare for a while. Wow. Um, which, you know, it it's kind of it's kind of boring when, when it goes into that mode. The, another concern that I have with it is the Pokemon, since all 718 of them are in there, and it's only their heads that you're seeing, some of them just look too similar. And they put some, they make the poor decision of putting some of them in the same level. Like, Plusly, um, Minum, or Minely, or whatever the, you know, the, the positive and negative electric Pokemon. Oh, right, and Pachirisu, yeah. the Squirtle electric Pokemon, are all yeah. in the same level, and I cannot tell them apart. I found that to be pretty infuriating, because, like, I'm trying to match Pashirizu with, um, Minen, or whatever it's called. It was just making me very angry. Yeah, you know, I it's it's fine if you, like, match three games, but, you know, if you have a smartphone and a dollar, you can probably do just as well with something else. Glyph Quest. Glyph Quest. It won't be Pokemon branded, though. I watched some videos on this game, and... Just the the visual presentation kind of, like, almost made me want to get it. Just, like, the little, like, bust of your, like, main Pokemon. It's, it's like, animated in that sort of, like, Flash style. 
I know that Flash is pretty much dead now, but that's my reference point of reference. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know what I mean? Yeah. That, like, I don't know. It looked kind of pretty and cool. Yeah, it, it 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 looks like a it looks good. Um, the music's a little repetitive, but mm. you know it, it's got it's got a slightly higher degree of polish than like you know most match three games. Yeah, and and the Pokemon theme definitely adds some fun to it, because like you know all the like some of the monsters do have like special powers like Chansey when you match them up instead of dealing damage they'll heal you. Okay. Yeah, but. Overall, it's not extremely remarkable. So it's hard to recommend to listeners. Unless you're, like, a huge Pokemon enthusiast. Yeah. But even then, because, like, it doesn't have nearly the depth that the actual, like, core Pokemon games have. Oh, shit. And it doesn't have any benefit in X and Y, right? Oh, no, you can take any of the Pokemon you catch in Trazi and put them into your X or Y game. Shut up. I kid, I kid. I just wanted to get your hopes up. Oh! (laughs) I just heard the the sound of a thousand imploding boners. Yeah. You heard the sound of two imploding boners. Yeah. (laughs) Live and on the air. Because that's the number of listeners we have. Alright, well that's all I have to say about Pokemon Trazi. Before we moved on, Emrys had something that he wanted to do, I believe. So the story behind this is I was a senior in high school, so it was like the year 2000. My mother was my English teacher, and she gave us an assignment. We were supposed to write a poem in the style of Beowulf. And so it was an Anglo-Saxon-style poem. Now, the reason I'm bringing it up is because Daniel, our biggest fan, wanted us to review more Pokemon. So I offered him this poem as a, a token. And it's just really good, and I'm proud of it. The gloom descended round the traveler, as down he laid his head for sleep. Kept safe inside their prison spheres, his only companions kept their watch. The six few friends he on his travels took, to safeguard him from the rocket folk. For he and those with whom he wandered sought the greatest prize then known, the medallion of Giovanni, greatest of fighters, and keeper of the boulder badge. With this rock prize, our seven heroes would be the masters of their trade and end the infamous Team Rocket tyranny. Well, that's awesome. I like it. I know! It. <laughs> well, after watching some trailers, I'm really interested in hearing about McPixel. Yeah, me too. I have no idea what this game is about. Oh my gosh. Alright, so McPixel is a game I picked up in that Humble Bundle for Android that I got a while back. And I I hadn't played it at all, and then Steam put out these trading cards. And so for one weekend I was obsessed with getting all the trading cards I could. And so I had to play McPixel... Uh, technically, I only ever played it on the PC, but it's the same interface, basically, yeah. as a phone. You know, you just tap on the various little elements in a scene. And I found this game to be infuriating, <laughs> but I kind of liked it. <laughs> it's insane. Yeah, so the way the game works 
Oh, and they, this is interesting. When you start playing it, it, they tell you straight out, they're like, do not sit and play this for long periods of time. This game is meant to be played in short bursts, or you will get angry and you'll quit. <laughs> like, <laughs> this game will infuriate you if you don't play it right. It's very self-aware. Yeah. Uh, and the way it works is that you get a scene, and in that scene, there's McPixel or some other character, and then other guys who are usually in the middle of some kind of weirdness. And the objective is to find and defuse a bomb, or it will explode. Sort of like, it's, it's, so there was MacGyver, right? And then there was MacGruber, the Saturday Night Live skit where the guy always has a bomb. Yeah. And it explodes all the time. So this is McPixel, because the graphics are very pixelated, like, old school art style. Yeah, they're practically like Atari. Yeah, Atari, exactly. These scenes are weird. The very first scene that I played is one where you ha- you're out you're on an island and there's a hot dog stand and like it doesn't tell you how to play. You have to figure this out on your own. Yeah, it's like WarioWare almost. Yeah, a little bit like that. Except there's it's it's consi- it's always find the bomb and right. disarm it. And so the first thing I did was I, like, clicked on a ketchup bottle on the hot dog stand, and so I took a stick of dynamite, and I put mustard on it, and then I ate it, and everyone died. (laughs) I was like, what the fuck is going on? And then it just switches to a completely different scene. The game is divided up into chapters, and each chapter has, like, six different scenes, and then a final scene that you unlock after you beat the other six. And then it will give you a bonus scene if you beat three in a row. You can go through a chapter and you get each one of them wrong, and then you beat one, you get a, like a star. You beat another one, you get a star. You lose one, you lose a star, and then you beat two more, so you have three stars in a row. And then you get a bonus scene which is indecipherable. Like, you know, you know that rainbow cat that was like a screensaver or something a million years ago, and now it's like an yeah. internet meme? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and cat or whatever. Yeah, and cat. yeah. There was one thing that was like that. It was like cows with rainbows flying out of their asses. You, like, click a cow, and then it rolls over in space, and everyone blows up. <laughs> it was like, there's no clues. There's no like, discernible pattern to these bonus scenes. But there's no way to get them <laughs> except by solving the regular scenes. So yeah. they're ta- this tantalizing unlockable element that you want to keep You want to keep coming back to them. So you, like, get three more in a row, and it's a completely different scene. So I don't know how many of these bonus scenes there are. I don't know. I never, like... The game is so <laughs> infuriating that I never really, like, played it beyond what it took to get all the training cards I needed. Here's what I saw in the trailer. Your main character kicks Satan in the balls. Right. Shove a bottle of something down Captain Hook's pants. Yeah. (laughs) Make out with President Obama. (laughs) And pull up something, I think it was a bomb or something, out of a cow's butt. (laughs) Right. In every scene, there is a funny option that you can unlock. 
you click on some article in the scene and then something comical happens that does not disarm the bomb. <laughs> and you get credits for unlocking those too. So like if you figure out the solution, you get like a silver star. And then if you figure out the funny thing you can do, you get a gold star. Oh. Yeah. There's got to be at least like a hundred of these scenes in the game. When you unlock a new chapter by finishing an old chapter. There's all kinds of stuff. I don't I don't, I don't honestly know how deep this game goes because I could not get that into it. Because, like, after a while, it really is just the same thing over and over again. In terms of gameplay or or you actually the actual scenes themselves? Like, the scenes don't really repeat. You, you, it starts to lose its shock and awe value after a while. You're like, oh, I'm making out with Obama and I'm putting sauce in Captain Hook's pants. I don't feel like that would ever get old. <laughs> well, when you do it, like, a few dozen times... I don't know. When you make out with Obama, I th- I'm pretty sure after that he disappears under the desk. And <laughs> I want to know where that goes. You know what? I recommend McPixel. Uh, if you have $3, <laughs> I'm pretty sure you can get it on the iStore and the Google oh, Play really? Store. How is the, uh... How is, I mean, is the play control, like, weird at all? No, you just click. You, That's I, it? I, I, click, I was clicking with a mouse. You, I'm sure you just tap on the screen. Like, you tap on the ketchup bottle and something happens. I'm going to spoil the first scene for you because the solution to that one is that there's an alien smoking pot in the bushes. I saw that in the trailer that I watched. Yeah, <laughs> and so you have to feed the pot-smoking alien a hot dog because it has the munchies. And then the bomb explodes in the alien's stomach, and so that's how you disarm it. You know, after the fact, it all seems so logical. <laughs> well, that's the thing. Like, in once you figure out what's going on in the individual scenes, they do have internal consistency. You can figure out how to do it by paying attention to the scene and doing a little bit of trial and error. But sometimes you just find one that's in, like it's impossible. It, it seems like, and you just don't know what to do, and so you're clicking on every single thing in the in the entire scene, and then you realize you were doing one thing out of order. That's how you how you beat it, or that something you didn't think was clickable turns out to be clickable, just because there's just a huge mass of pixelated weird objects. Maybe you didn't recognize one of them. And McPixel also has this interesting cast of characters, like there's pale version of McPixel and like a Ms. Pixel that has boobs. They they crop up from time to time in different scenes. For for three dollars, I think it's a huge amount of content, and I can see it being a lot of fun on a, a mobile game because you just you know you know pull it out whenever, play a scene or two. Oh sweet! On the iOS App Store, there's McPixel and McPixel Lite, so there's a demo version you can play to see oh. if you like it. Oh nice. Yeah, definitely try out the demo. You'll be spending three dollars in no time. Yeah, after after the after we're done recording, I'm downloading that. I don't know what else to say about it. Like the the graphics are bad, but that's the <laughs> point. They're intentionally bad. The sound effects are bad. I'm pretty sure it's just beeping. Oh, there's like really obnoxious MIDI music that I don't know. Maybe you'll like it. Maybe it's really good chip tunes. I don't know. What you call really obnoxious MIDI music, I call things that I used to set up a tape recorder to record while playing Nintendo. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, like, I'm not the audience for that kind of quote-unquote classic. 
aesthetic stuff, so it might be really good. You listen to a little bleep bloop. Trent Reznor does a little bleep bloop. Trent Reznor makes music using... Shut up. Don't... <laughs> using programs that make his computer do things it's not supposed to. Listen, what he does is magical. No, I agree. I <laughs> One of the most brilliant songwriters of our generation. After seeing him in two different bands performing live, like my my admiration for him has only grown. I'm a I'm a Trent Reznor fanboy. What can I say? But it's a far cry from Chip Tunes. Right. So um, there's a huge amount of content, and there's like all kinds of bonuses that you can unlock, and there's no in-app purchases. That's always a positive. I don't know who the publisher is. I don't know if they have any other games. SOS or Sauce. I don't know how to pronounce it. SOS Sauce. <laughs> Sounds like a it's rapper. Capital yeah. S, lowercase O, lowercase S. So it might be Sauce. Okay. I give McPixel one bomb in the keister out of one bomb in the keister. <laughs> Maximum <laughs> score. <laughs> that sounds painful, yet positive. Yeah, that's that's McPixel for you. <laughs> you will be frustrated, I guarantee it. But you won't be able to stop. I'm quite tipsy. <laughs> it's a 22-ounce bottle, 8.7%. Come on. That's pretty serious. Manly. Well, I played a game, and I spent a lot of time with this game this month. Uh, the game is called Minds of Mars. It's from Crescent Moon Games and Wikiware. You can currently find it on the iOS App Store, or you can get also get it for Android for $4.99, but it's also coming to Steam soon. It's been greenlit. Look for it. Minds of Mars. Have you ever been playing Minecraft and said, gee, I wish they'd take the most tedious part of this game which is the digging for ore and create an entire game centered around that but in the metroid universe because overall that's how i feel about minds of mars my disclaimer for this review is that while i have a few issues with it listen to the end of this review and hopefully it won't sound like as much of a jerk the core gameplay the core gameplay of Minds of Mars is uh, Metroidvania-esque, with an emphasis on digging and crafting. I've heard some people compare it to recent games like SteamWorld Dig or Terraria. Mm-hmm. I haven't played either of those, but your ongoing quest in Minds of Mars is to dig for materials for crafting better tools, weapons, armor, and items to allow you to explore deeper and deeper beneath the surface of the Red Planet. Along the way, you'll uncover alien artifacts and uninviting creatures and begin to unravel this mysterious and spooky plot. And that all sounds fine at first, but the majority of the game is spent roaming these visually similar areas with your slow as molasses pickaxe. I played Minds of Mars for about 10 hours before I got, like, terminally fatigued from the aimless digging with rarely a new enemy to battle or eerie monolithic alien statue to unearth. 
those few moments of discovery and mystery are so infrequent that while they're welcome and like genuinely like satisfying pieces of candy they're spread too far apart after this those like few moments of excitement it's back to digging and digging and digging and digging for hours the tedium of all that is amplified by the constant necessity to return to your base at the surface of the planet to unload your inventory. That actually sounds a lot like Steamworld Dig. Do you get to, like, use the resources you dig up to build stuff? Yeah, okay, so there's crafting in the game. But the crafting, it's not like... The crafting in Minecraft, which I keep comparing the two, and they're only slightly similar, but it's sort of my point of reference for this because I haven't played Steamworld Digger or or terraria or anything like that but like in minecraft your um your crafting is is very much like unless you use a fac or faq or like youtube or something like it's all like discovery so you're like i'm gonna combine this stuff and see what happens right in minds of mars you basically have like a base and at the base they tell you here are the items that are available here's what you need to make them Okay. And so you have to just dig for hours until you get the <laughs> required ore or whatever gems. Moving on, uh, visually, Minds of Mars is quite respectable. I played it on my iPhone 5S, but I'd wager the iPad would be like the best way to really appreciate the game. Much of it is so dark, and the creatures and, and really everything so finely detailed that I occasionally had to... like get in there really close to see what the heck I was looking at. Like, there's little frog creatures that have faces. Like, I had to have the iPhone, like, an inch from my face to be like, what is this thing really? Like, what's going on? The art style is is clearly inspired by Metroid. Much of the game really is. Like, your character kind of looks like Master Chief, but um, this Master Chief from Halo-ish uh, character, his name is Ridley, which is... Your A Metroid Metroid, boss. right. Uh, which is based off of Ripley from Alien, but anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, much of the flora and fauna in Minds of Mars, and especially like the alien architecture, they feel like they really could have been like a part of the larger Metroid universe, sort of the expanded universe, or whatever you want to say. Um, the 2D graphics in the game, the engine that they use appears to be similar. I, I have no background in programming or anything, but the, the engine appears to be similar to the one used for like the most recent Rayman game uh, that was on Wii U and uh, other systems where like, so they'll, they'll hand draw an image and then they'll import it into the game and the en- the engine can basically take that and cr- turn it into a 2D animated character. And in motion, it's, it's kind of like Monty Python-esque, if you know what I mean, but the end product works pretty well. The soundtrack of Minds of Mars is enjoyable and I'd say perfectly atmospheric. It is just a tad derivative of, again, the Metroid series. I'd say like a third of the tracks could have been Super Metroid tracks, and then a third of the tracks from like Metroid Prime, and then the last third kind of sound like they're from like the indie band Explosions in the Sky. Love that band. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah. These aren't complaints. There's also a small amount of voice acting by someone who is either trying to impersonate Sam Neill in Jurassic Park, or <laughs> or maybe they just have a really cool voice. 
and and largely uh, the voice acting is used as sort of a um, a reminder. It's like a journal feature. And every time you start up the game, it'll give you the last excerpt. It's just sort of keeping track of what you're doing. Like someone's trying to reach me by my communication device. How do they get this signal? Now, now just imagine that, but he's Australian, and that's kind of what what he sounds like. <laughs> and I apologize if this person was South African or New Zealand because I get those all mixed up. Anyway, the controls of this game are okay. Basically, the left side of the screen, the entire like left side of the screen, is essentially this large invisible D-pad, mm-hmm. and the right side of the screen is your. Um, it's used to aim your like auto firing guns, and all of this works most of the time although it feels a smidge floaty. My biggest complaint would be that during like boss battles when you know tension is high and the fight requires quicker movements, a lot of mistakes can be made and, and deaths can be attributed to like, I guess just it's just largely the nature of this kind of game with a touchscreen interface. Mm-hmm. I, I think like iOS controller support would work wonders for Minds of Mars. Really, first, I think we need a universally supported iOS controller that doesn't cost $75. Yeah. I'd be interested to see how um, this game would play on a PC with like a nice gaming controller, like a, like a PS3 or Xbox 360 gaming controller. There's a decent amount of replayability in Minds of Mars, so if this game clicks with you, you can go back and experience it all over again with new randomly <laughs> generated areas. Again, though, they're kind of all the same looking but the layout is is different adding to the life and longevity of the game is an arcade on the surface of the planet that has versions of classic games like berserk asteroids and breakout they're completely unnecessary but very welcome and just a lot of simple nostalgic fun my final thoughts about minds of mars okay truthfully it's not a bad game i think if I had played in like 10-15 minute spurts here and there just sort of taking it all in over a longer period of time in smaller chunks I'd have found it to be a better game than I've I've thus given it credit for in my first week with it I was cramming like one to two hour sessions in daily just so I could have it ready for review for an episode that didn't get recorded because I met Stan Lee Um, and this led (laughs) This led to, like, I I got, like, pretty fatigued and frustrated with the game and eventually just abandoned this game that, like, a lot of other people have found it to be one of, like, the best games on the iOS marketplace. So don't listen to me, maybe. I don't know. I recommend watching some videos or trying out um, a trial or demo version, if you can, and decide for yourself. My impression of the game was that the crafting was sort of a big deal, but it sounds like you kind of... It either didn't inspire you, or... Here's the thing. I want to get a better pickaxe, because it takes forever to get through just a block of dirt. Like, how many strikes? In the beginning, a lot. Currently, I have the Cobalt pickaxe, which is, like, the third pickaxe. And it's it takes, like, five strikes to get through one oh, wow. block of dirt, which is... A block oh. of dirt is roughly the size of your character. Yeah, that's probably too many. When you're talking hundreds of blocks of dirt, just to get down to a level where you can get the rarer minerals and stuff. It, it's pretty time-consuming of just going clink, 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 clink. You know, and there's lots of cool armor and stuff to, to craft, but 
the crafting again my the standard i said is minecraft where you're like i'm just gonna do this uh-huh. and see what happens and this it's like here's what you need and it's like i after 10 hours i've never even seen emerald and some of the stuff i need requires like emerald or ruby or sapphire and i'm like i've never even seen these elements in the game 10 hours in and basically to continue because i need a better suit because it's getting too hot towards the core of the planet or a better light because i can only see the distance of maybe five blocks or a better pickaxe because it's taking me five hits to get through one friggin' block you know it just for me it got frustrated and on top of that like i'm playing dark souls and i just want to play dark souls all the time <laughs> <laughs> So are all the the crafting elements stuff like like better gear that makes you, let's opens up new areas for you, or is there like a strategic element that you can you can like? Mm, I wouldn't say there's much strategy to it. It's more just like um, this is where like the Metroid part of it comes in. Where like okay, uh-huh. I can't go down any further into the planet because I don't have enough of a heat shield. So I need right. better armor that has a better heat shield. Um, I need a better helmet that has a better light. I yeah. Know, does that answer your question? I, I guess so. I like I'm so intoxicated that I already forgot what you asked. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't watched any videos or anything, but yeah. it does sound really tedious. I, I feel like maybe you missed something, but that's a totally unsubstantiated knee-jerk reaction on my part. One or two scenarios. I missed something or it's just not the game for me. Yeah, yeah. Like I said at at the end of my review there, like it's not a bad game. I just found it to be best played in smaller bursts because when you spend like an hour of mostly just digging through a planet before you either run out of gas for your jetpack or run out of bullets or run out of space in your inventory, it just becomes not fun for me. But anyway, I'm anxious to see what Kevin has to say about Final Fantasy Tactics Advance for the Game Boy Advance. I love that game. Final Fantasy Tactics Advance was released in 2003 for the Game Boy Advance, and at the time that it came out, it was a huge deal because it was the first game Square had Square had developed for a Nintendo platform in years. Basically yeah. since, like, Final Fantasy VI and Chrono Trigger on the Super Nintendo. It was sort of a sequel to the PlayStation 1 game, Final Fantasy Tactics, in that it was set in the world of Ivalus, but it wasn't a sequel to the PlayStation 1 game in that they had nothing in common with each other, really, <laughs> yeah. in terms of the game worlds. Final Fantasy Tactics Advances Ivalus has five different races, Humans, Moogles, Banga, Numu, and Viera. Humans are well-rounded, Moogles tend to specialize in status effects, Banga are physically powerful, Numu are the best at magic, and Viera make good ranged attackers. They're so cool, and like I loved making assassins out of them, and just one-hit KOing everything. Yeah. They were the best. I love the Viera! And they had boobs. <laughs> yeah, it was, an entire, it was a race entirely comprised of females. Amazons, basically. Basically. But with rabbit ears. <laughs> <laughs> Probably the most fun part of the game was the uh, job system that allows you to combine you know, different jobs and classes and skill combinations. But the difference between this and a game like Bravely Default, 
where, you know, you could do really anything with any of your characters is you're also... You weren't completely limited by this, but it really behooved you to keep uh, racial racial proclivities in mind. You didn't want to really make... I mean, you had the option of making a bonga, like a, a, um, a bishop who, you know, used magic, but yeah. he just wasn't as strong as, like, a white monk or a defender or, you know, some of the other, like, heavier, like, physical damage classes that you could have. Um, so it, that was very key to keep in mind in terms of, you know, your strategy. What I liked doing was um, creating characters who were just unstoppable badasses and then sending them into battle alone. You created a party of, like, six characters for most of the battles, um, but I like to just send in, like, one person and try to finish the game, like, try to finish the battle like that. Whoa. So that was, you know, what I thought was the most fun about it. it was something that was different from uh, the original Final Fantasy Tactics was the uh, very controversial law system uh-huh. that was in combat. Basically, yeah. every battle would have certain things that were forbidden to do, like, oh, you can't use missiles, which meant no ranged attacks, no no arrows, no bullets. Um, you could still use magic, but you couldn't use anything that was like physically ranged. And... Uh-huh. If you violate that law, you get a yellow card, like in soccer, for that character. And if you get two yellow cards, you get a red card, and then you're sent to jail. And that character is no longer available for that battle, and you have to go and pay money to get them out of jail after the fight's over. Um, or, depending on how much effect the, vi- the law violation had on the battle, you might just get a red card straight away. Like, if it was a, a violation that led to a character on the enemy team being knocked out, you'd probably just get a red card straight off. Wow. Overall, I found this system to be lacking. Because there were frequently times... Now, now what, what you could do is they had cards that would allow you to ignore these laws, but you didn't always have the one that you needed, and there were just some times where the law system would make it impossible for you to win a fight. Like, yeah. you would wander into a... Into a a random battle with a different clan and that clan would be all beasts like you know ant lions or adamantoises and then the lo- one of the laws in that battle would be against dealing damage to an animal well at that point you're fucked what do you do <laughs> like if you don't have a card to cancel that law you just lose and that's really frustrating because a lot of these clans would wander around the map so if you try to go somewhere on the other side of the map, and this clan wanders into your path on the wrong day when the law is, you know, something that prevents you from being able to beat them, and you don't have a card, well, might as well reset the game. So I found that to be pretty frustrating with it, and it was something that was fixed in the sequel, Final Fantasy Tactics Advance 2 for the DS, where the laws were always fixed, and there was never really anything that prevented you from being able to win a battle. So it was interesting to see this system like in its infancy, but I don't know that it actually added that much to the game because it didn't really add any challenge. It just made it more frustrating. Yeah. It just prevented you from using certain characters at certain times that you maybe wanted to use that would have you would have maybe had more fun with than a different character. For fans of Final Fantasy Tactics for PlayStation or I guess at this point you can buy it on, even buy it on the App Store. Um, yep. If you're a fan of that game this might not be the game for you because um, there are some massively 
important thematic differences between this and the original Final Fantasy Tactics. The PlayStation 1 game told a dark, mature story about nations at war, betrayal, and political intrigue. Um, Final Fantasy Tactics Advance had pastel colors and cute characters, and a strong message that was anti-bullying. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the, the presentation was much younger, and battles were far easier than its PlayStation counterpart. There's a podcast called Retronauts, mm-hmm. and Bill will never listen to this, but they put out an amazing episode about all the Ivalis games, mm-hmm. and so they cover this game as well as Final Fantasy Tactics for the original PlayStation, and um, it's really worth a listen to if you can, you know, bear to add another <laughs> podcast to your uh, weekly listening I might check that out. Repertoire. Their podcast is awesome. This last week, they did a two-hour podcast. I'm totally derailing your review. They did a two-hour <laughs> podcast on just um, the video game like media of like the 80s and 90s. So basically, like the the magazines, Nintendo and, Power. Yeah, all, and Nintendo Nintendo Fun Club and like EGM and all those magazines leading up to the infancy of the internet, and it's. Their podcast is always so well-researched and, and just really interesting to listen to. So why are we talking about them on our podcast? Because clearly the <laughs> same demographics don't apply. I just... <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Portable Power, your host for the most not-up-to-date <laughs> yeah. info on video games at large. Frequently um, most poorly researched. Yeah, no. <laughs> anyway... Listen to the Ivalis episode. It's worth a, a gander. I will, I will try to remember to check that out. Some of the things that were great about this game, outside of like the job system and the customization with matching up different support abilities, um, the graphics were actually really good. Like The sprites were small, yeah. but they were still very expressive. They're awesome. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, I, I said that the story was a lot more childish than... The other Final Fantasy Tactics game for the PlayStation, but it wasn't, you know, it wasn't bad. It was yeah. just very different. Uh, it, it was, you know, it was almost like reading a storybook. Like, it was like the story was written for children instead of adults, which is which is fine as long as you go in expecting that, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Um, figuring out how to unlock new classes was fun because you didn't just unlock them at set periods of time like you would only be able to become a ninja if you learned two thief action abilities and then that character would be able to become a ninja so it made a lot more sense it it felt a lot more organic than Mm -hmm. some of the other like job systems that i've seen in rpgs because like it would make sense that a thief would be able to become a ninja because they can slip in and out of shadows and you know ninjas have a similar skill set um, and also, like, a fighter... I'm sorry, a soldier can become a paladin or a fighter, you know, who deals massive physical damage and has, like, high defense and, like, better armor. Another cool thing is there was a lot of content to play through. There were 300 missions to complete and mm-hmm. hidden characters to unlock. And to do all of that, I did it on a couple playthroughs, and each of those playthroughs, I was well over 60 hours by the time I completed the 300 missions. Some of the stuff that wasn't quite as good, like I said, the, the law system was kind of... I wasn't sure what purpose it served. It was mostly myths. Yeah, it was pretty bad. You know, 
It's funny though, like isn't one of the end bosses or the end boss one of the judges that kind of makes you feel like this whole law system was corrupt to begin with? Yeah, no, that 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 is it was part of the story. It's like the developers knew all along this wasn't the best <laughs> idea. But it was implemented poorly. Yeah. And and it was implemented much better in FFTA2 for the DS. They just made it work a lot better then. This game didn't do it quite so well. It's a shame I've walked by that game a hundred times and never picked it up then. It's a better game, but I haven't played it nearly as many times because I played this game, Final Fantasy Tactics Advance, so many times yeah. that by the time I got the sequel, I was like, oh, I feel like I've done this before. Uh-huh. And like, and they added a lot of things to the game, and it was harder, but I had played the original so much that it just didn't do enough things differently. Another negative that I found about this game was the music became very repetitive, and it wasn't overly strong in the first place, so I ended up playing most of it with the sound turned off while listening to something else. In the research for this episode, contrary to what we said a few minutes ago, um, <laughs> I watched a few videos of this game, and the music really like hit the nostalgia nerve. And maybe that's because I watched a couple like five ten minute videos and didn't play it for sixteen hours or something. But right, well, the the songs, the I mean, there are a couple of songs that I would say are good. Yeah, but when you consider that you spend most of your time in battle, and the battles aren't short, like, you know, normal yeah. like JRPGs are. This is a tactics RPG, so the battles last a little longer. Mm-hmm. It's kind of, like, I mean, the gameplay is kind of like Final Fantasy Chess. Yeah. yeah. Like, you know, all, all the different classes have, like, different movement ranges, different ways they attack, and different strategies that work best for them. And that's just really strong. Like, that adds a lot of replay value to it. And that's part of why I just have such a hard-on for this game, is because uh, you can just endlessly customize your characters and always change up your strategy. And, you know, like, maybe... Like, I remember the first time I played the game through, I really didn't go very much beyond the basic classes, because I was just playing around with them. And then yeah. on my second playthrough, I started branching out into, like, paladin and fighters and, like, illusionists... And it's all it's all just so many cool combinations and support abilities you can add. It's just overwhelming and wonderful all at the same time. And even though the story isn't as fantastic as Final Fantasy Tactics, it's still it's still cute, you know. It's like and 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 it is a solid message with you know like because the the main villain if you can call him that of the game is just this child who was bullied and like psychologically damaged as a result it has the um distinction of being a final fantasy game that actually has a remotely happy ending one thing i think it's worth to mention about the game is that once you get some experience with the class system the job system mm-hmm. you can really just build a character that instantly wins everything yeah, well, that was what I was saying about making a character who's an unstoppable badass and sending him into a battle all by himself. But it like it breaks the game after a certain point because yeah. fights are just trivially easy. So, some of the some of the skills are a little overpowered in this game, and the, and they adjusted a lot of that in the sequel. My favorite technique was to make a a beast master who could turn people into frogs, and it was just like it was just a debuff that always worked and the frogs were helpless and couldn't attack 
Yeah. So you just go around and you spend every turn turning as many people into frogs as you could, and then you just win because they're all frogs. Yeah, they have no way of curing it. And I didn't, I didn't feel like any particular need to explore deeper than that because I found the instant frog win strategy pretty quickly. <laughs> Something else that I will say is, I mean, this is something that I all three of us played a pretty decent amount of, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, I remember loving this game so much when mm-hmm. it originally came out, then seeing, what? This game has multiplayer? Oh, well, yeah. hot damn. And I went out and bought the Game Boy Advance Link Cable, and that yeah. is the most disappointing multiplayer I've ever <laughs> yeah. experienced in a video game. Really? I have so much nostalgia for you and you and I just sitting in my grandparents' basement <laughs> trying to get the best lighting we could on our, our Game Boy Advances <laughs> before the SP came out. Well, that was you. I had the SP. Did you already from the beginning? I Not from the very beginning, but by the time I attacked Advance, I'm pretty sure I had the, adv- the SP. Yeah, my memory's cloudy. I forget, you, well, you had the Game Boy Player on your GameCube. Could you play multiplayer on the GameCube or just single player? Oh, man. Don't put me on the spot. Things that nobody cares about. Yeah. <laughs> Things that I shouldn't have sold when I moved to California. <laughs> Wait, you sold Final Fantasy Tactics Advance? I sold everything in my video game collection that was um, newer than a Sega Genesis. Oh, man. I brought to California my NES, SNES, and Sega Genesis. Everything else got sold. It kept me alive, and it kept me fed in the first few months out here, but I miss some of that stuff hardcore. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was it was a great game, and it's not that the multiplayer was horrible. I just felt like they could have done so much more with it than they did. Yeah, I remember being pretty disappointed with it. I'll never forget all those frogs. That's like the strongest memory I have from that game, is just turning bitches into frogs. Poisoned <laughs> frogs or just frogs? Just frogs! To add insult to injury, you poison the frogs. Yeah. Alright, well, I feel like I need to formally state a retraction to my Bravely Default review. A full retraction. <laughs> Not a full retraction, because I had a good time for about 40 hours. Okay. <laughs> but I have played the game for 90 hours, and it has been a slog since then. That is 50 hours of not enjoying the game. What does that say? I don't even know what that says. It says that I really have a lot of, I don't know, affection for Adia and Ringabel. Mm-hmm. and I want to know what happens to them, and that's the only reason I've continued on with it. Okay, I, I, I shouldn't say that. I, I, haven't, I haven't hated it for 50 hours, mm-hmm. but I have been quite disappointed with the padding they have put in that game from Chapter 5 on. Half of the game is padding. Yeah. I'm going to spoil the game. I don't even care. Okay. No. I drank that whole beer. Um... <laughs> Wait, did you finish it? No. Okay. I don't even know. I know there's post-game content, mm-hmm. but I haven't even gotten to that point. I'm still on the boss at the end. Uh, that I, I think it's the end. I don't know. This game is Groundhog Day. If, you, if you've if seen it the is. movie Groundhog Day starring Bill Murray, chapters 1 through 4, you'll play them, and then chapters 5, 6, 7, and 8 are chapters 1 through 4 over and over and over again. Yep. And that means you're fighting the same enemies 
with slightly different conversations, and they're definitely stronger each time. By chapter eight, though, I do have to say I like that they throw a couple bosses at the same time against you. Mm-hmm. At least that kept it interesting. But by chapter eight, I had turned random battles off, and I had turned off. I had just ignored um, the optional subquests, and it was just going to. I was plowing through it, trying to get to the end. Me too. I was in the exact same position by that point. I I did random battles from chapters one through seven, and yeah. I did all the side quests. And by the time, like, I finished chapter seven. And I knew Chapter 8 was coming. I knew it. And still, when it came up, I, I, I think I cried a little bit. I, was like, I just just I just want to be done. Like yeah. I want to know what happens to these characters. Because I finished the game at the end of uh, Chapter 6 or whatever it was and got the shitty ending. Oh, okay. And I was like, that was really unsatisfying. Mm-hmm. So I need to see what the, what the real ending of the game is. I, I'm I'm on the final boss encounter now. I, I haven't I haven't I attempted it once, lost, and haven't gone back yet. I've attempted it about ten times. It's that bad. It's it's that difficult for me where I'm at because I haven't I've turned off random battles and I've oh. stopped doing um side quests. Mm-hmm. So my characters maybe aren't leveled up enough to face the enemy that I'm trying to face. And I'm not even sure it's the end boss. I haven't looked at a guide or anything like that. Is it, um... Are we gonna just fully spoil the game? No, but it okay. is a thing that you're fighting on the airship. And you you cannot leave the airship. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, so shit. Even leveling up means I have to go to the... to the, like the We'll just call it the basement, because I, I'm too intoxicated to remember. Mm-hmm. We'll call it the basement of the airship. <laughs> and... I can I can grind fighting these skeletons, but it takes like a hundred battles to get up one level. Oh man, I'm in the same position. If I have to do any level grinding for this at all, oh my gosh, what level are you? Mid sixties. Oh, I'm higher than you. Okay. Yeah, because I plowed through the. I turned off random battles by like chapter six, and then I stopped doing side quests by chapter seven. They they really should have just made the game shorter. Like the game wasn't short to begin with. No, it could have yeah. been a 40, 50 hour game if they had cut it, just cut out the, the padding. Mm-hmm. And that would have been fine. But as it stands, it's like an 80 hour game and half of it's fluff. Yeah, I would rather them make a 30 hour game without padding and I would play it again and again. But as it is, like when I finish this game, I'm probably just going to trade it in because I'll never play it again. Well, I wouldn't trade it in because GameStop will give you a nickel for it. Anyway, we're not fully retracting the review. Not fully, but I am decidedly less enthused about it than I was. Yeah. It is not it is not the solid A that I originally attributed to it. It is more like a C plus. Yeah, I was gonna say B minus, but yeah, I'm right there with you. My current opinion on this series that they plan to make it is i don't know that i'll play another one unless i read reviews that say something to the effect of oh they took out all of the padding that they had in the last game (laughs) yeah it's five chapters long and they're all unique the thing is if the game was exactly the same length Mm -hmm. it's just that every chapter was throwing something even slightly different at me in a slightly different story but Mm -hmm. no it's hey we got to this point 
and we failed. So let's start over from the beginning. No. Mm -hmm. Give me something else to do. Give me some other people to talk to. Give me a new region to explore. Exactly. Did you did you try to do any of the subquests in Chapter 8? I doubt it. I don't think so. I, I think I fought, like, one boss battle that was, like, three bosses at the same time. I, I started to do it. Because what it was doing was it was making some of the, the bosses, like, it was fleshing out their characters a little more. Yes. And I liked the idea of them doing that. And so the first couple of times they did that, it was cool. But then they started pairing the characters up in weird ways. Yeah. And they did, like, the hunter and, like, that evil witch who gives you the arcanist ability. Mm-hmm. And it was another female character, but I can't remember which one. And they were just sitting in a meeting talking about girl power. Uh, the Spice Girls. <laughs> and it was the dumbest conversation I heard. So, like, it wasn't even them fleshing out their characters or motivations. Like, the reason the fight started was they were like, What? Somebody's listening in? They're trying to take away our girl power from us! We must fight them! And I was like, well, I'm done with the subquests now. So I guess what we're trying to say is Bravely, Bravely Default is a pretty good game, but it's not the game that we thought it was when we were halfway through it and reviewed it last episode. Correct. <laughs> but that's all we got for this this month. We'll be back soon. I won't promise another mid-month episode. I probably won't have the chance to meet Stanley again. But if Chris Claremont's available, I mean... No, I was he was there. I saw him. I, listened, mm -hmm. I eavesdropped on him several times. If Bob Kane returns from the grave <laughs> with Jack Kirby, then we won't have another episode till May 1st. Uh, so you found us on iTunes, I assume? Maybe you found us on portablepower.popularoutcast.com? If so, use the Amazon banner that's on our site as well as the Popular Outcast main site. Uh, make sure to clear your cookies or use your incognito mode or privacy mode, whatever you want to call it. Um, do some shopping on Amazon. No additional cost to you, but we get a small cut, and it helps just cover the little bit of uh, alcohol that's in my blood system. Just kidding. Uh, <laughs> Twitter, at PortablePowerFM. Facebook.com slash PortablePowerPodcast. And email us with any little thing you want to say, portablepowerpodcast at gmail.com. That includes game requests. That includes uh, question of the week requests. We didn't do one this week. We had yeah. no real ideas for it. But if there's stuff that you guys uh, want to ask us about that doesn't take a super long time to answer, you know, send us that. If you want to find out where Emerus has been for the past five minutes, email us. I'm here, you know... <laughs> No, I've been here. Thanks for listening, everyone. And uh, we'll see you sometime in the next few weeks. <laughs> <laughs>